If you were an adherent, no one would be able to tell. You would look like any other American. You could be a mother picking leftovers off your toddler's plate. You could be the young man in headphones across the street. You could be a bookkeeper, a dentist, a grandmother icing cupcakes in her kitchen. You may well have an affiliation with an evangelical church, but you are hard to identify just from the way you look, which is good because someday soon dark forces may try to track you down. You understand this sounds crazy, but you don't care. You know that a small group of manipulators operating in the shadows pull the planet's strings. You know that they are powerful enough to abuse children without fear of retribution. You know that the mainstream media are their handmaidens in partnership with Hillary Clinton and the secretive denizens of the deep state. You know that only Donald Trump stands between you and a damned and ravaged world. You see plague and pestilence sweeping the planet and understand that they are part of the plan. You know that a clash between good and evil cannot be avoided and you yearn for the great awakening that is coming. And so you must be on guard at all times. You must shield your ears from the scorn of the ignorant. You must find those who are like you and you must be prepared to fight. Well, what a strange intro to this episode, but it'll all make sense here in a second, because what was just read was an excerpt from an article titled, The Prophecies of Q, Q, like the letter Q, The Prophecies of Q from the Atlantic, which explores conspiracy theories in modern America as related to the person or entity known as Q. And we're reading this because today's episode is going to take a deep dive into the world of conspiracy theories. While conspiracy theories have arguably existed throughout history, there is right now in America a growing trend, maybe especially in America. And interestingly enough, there's a strong tie to evangelical Christians and these theories. There's been a lot of articles lately talking about how Christians have been more susceptible and also perpetuated more conspiracy theories than other groups of people in our country. So in this episode, we want to try to better understand some of the conspiracy theories of our day, answer the questions of why people are drawn to them, and then look at the strange connection to evangelicalism. Well, welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my fantastic co-hosts, Elizabeth Woodson and Adam Hawkins. And as I've already mentioned today, we're going to be exploring the fascinating world of conspiracy theories. Adam and Elizabeth, I know you guys are excited to be talking about this. Let me ask you this as we get started. Adam, is there any conspiracy theory that you feel like you have given, let's say, more than two hours of your life in, uh, in exploring it? Yeah, there's probably two that I can think of off the top of my head. I'll give you one. And one is just, I think, the UFO conspiracy in general. For some reason, um, even in not believing in it, I just find it fascinating and interesting, specifically the ancient aliens (laughs) hypothesis, which is crazy. 
But the idea is that aliens have basically been there and they seeded the planet and that's where we come from. It's a wild ride. That's all I'm trying to say. So, How about you, Elizabeth? Is there any conspiracy theory you feel like you've given a lot of time to, to just exploring and learning about? Honestly, I say I would have given a lot of time to, but it's probably the one that I would mention the most, and that is, is Tupac still alive? Oh, yeah. Yep. I just, I don't know. I don't know, Adam. <laughs> did you see the, uh, the, the, the ho- he did have a holographic return to, was he it did, Coachella? He did. Yeah. I think that was more evidence that he's definitely, definitely, definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> definitely did. Uh, man, you know what? I was as a kid growing up. I watched uh, the show that I would sneak out of my room to watch late at night was called Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know if you guys ever watched that show, but mm-hmm. it was totally creepy, and it was always about some ghost or some cemetery or some alien or some situation and I, I there's something interesting about an unsolved mystery about something uh, a conspiracy thinking there's secret knowledge out there that maybe only a certain group of people have access to we're going to talk about what that has to do with christianity and i'm looking forward to unpacking this together and if you're afraid that we're going to tackle something you believe that few people do maybe we will Elizabeth, what comes to mind when you hear the words conspiracy theory? I think what comes to mind for me is uh, people who have a significant amount of distrust for a particular entity. And so they think that basically somebody's out to get them and has a secret plan that they're plotting. And uh, this particular person or group is in danger. Um, and we need to call this entity out so that we can... Um, find a space of safety. And so again, it's a lot of distrust, a lot of cynicism, some which may be warranted. I don't think conspiracy theories pop up out of nowhere, um, but they do kind of have a very powerful life of their own. What a great way to start, because you're exactly right. There, so when we're saying conspiracy theories, we are not insulting everyone who believes a conspiracy and saying, now that's a lie you're believing. There may be some warranted reason to doubt the truth that you've been told about something and there may actually be knowledge that is yet to be discovered about something and that's not maybe in the wacky examples we've given but there are certainly a lot of conspiracy theories today that people staunchly stand behind even scientists doctors you know and so-called experts in certain areas would say no this is this is the reality adam what are some examples maybe of of conspiracies that are out there today that are uh, pretty prolific yeah, I mean, we've mentioned a couple of them. I think um, we'll we'll probably dive deeper into the one called QAnon. Uh, that's a big one uh, that's out there right now. Maybe the, maybe one of the biggest. Another one that you're probably really familiar with is the uh, 9/11 Truther sort of movement, but basically said that 9/11 was an inside job. Um, the conspiracy theory. There was another one that Obama was not born in. Um, America, but was born outside of it. Uh, there's, there's, there's tons and tons. Um, one big one right now is that Jack, that Epstein was not, did not commit suicide in a jail cell, but was killed uh, by people trying to protect, uh, killed by somebody trying to protect powerful people. There's a lot out there right now. Those are a few. Yeah, I think of, uh, you'll hear the weird Illuminati or like some yep. secret secret societies who rule from behind the scenes. Uh, I think of the anti-vaxxer movement. There are a lot of people who believe that vaccines are either 
maliciously engineered to hurt people or whether they believe they, they cause autism or, and you can tell the things that we're mentioning right now are debatable. And there's, there's maybe some people that are very sold out on this. And, and certainly there is an economic interest in some people uh, proliferating a, a version of the truth that they like. One other one that we're going to spend a little bit of time with, with a uh, kind of a local expert is on the effects of 5g and there's been a conspiracy theory lately in the news related to the coronavirus that there's a, a, a number of people that believe that the use or the um, installation of 5G has some, some impact on the, um, the spread of the coronavirus. So for just a minute, we're going to go to an interview that our producer David Rourke had with Mr. Thomas Novlin, and I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say as well. I'm uh, Tom Novlin. I live in Austin, Texas, and I am a research and development engineer for AT&T Labs. So I've been researching um, cellular technology uh, for about the past decade or so. Um, definitely spent a lot of time looking at how uh, networks evolve um, over time as you know, we have the smartphone revolution. Now we have New new uses for technology and understanding what is the capability that uh, that we need to see in the network and um, you know five G is the name uh, gives away is the fifth generation of the cellular technology so I've been involved in defining the the standard um, that uh, is used between all the the uh, devices for example people's phones and then the towers and the networks all over the world there's a, a global standard that, that allows everything to communicate and, and work properly. So uh, I've been spending the past couple of years working on getting that standard done so that uh, 5G products be able to come out in the real networks uh, now. Or there have been a lot of conspiracy theories and concerns around 5G. Why do you think that is? What are some of those theories? And I'll just ask you straight up, is 5G safe, Tom? Well, <laughs> Yeah, it uh, definitely seems like this has become a, a big topic, um, especially recently with um, with the COVID nineteen. I, I think in, in general, there's always been uh, you know a lot of concerns about um, you know wireless technology and uh, its safety. Um, you know, I would just point to um, the, the fact that there have been studies done over the years and and for five G as well that. Uh, basically, the consensus is there's no evidence that uh, uh, the radiation from 5G towers has any negative impact on uh, people's health. Um, the regulatory bodies around the world set uh, standards for how much uh, you know these uh, towers and phones can can uh, how much energy they can use, and uh, these limits are much 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 lower than than anything that would ever be uh, potentially harmful for people. Why have there been conspiracy theories emerge about 5G? Like what, like why is it that 5G has been a, a point of concern? Sure. Well, I, I think um, one of the more recent ones is then that uh, somehow 5G uh, networks are, are involved in the transmission of the, the coronavirus um, and, and causing people to get COVID-19, which, uh, you know, is... Um, I, I guess the reason for that is, you know, a lot of networks now are switching from 4G to 5G. I think people see that, uh, you know, this year is is going to be a year where a lot of that is happening. So, the timing with along with the pandemic has kind of 
allowed people to kind of try and make that uh, connection. But at the same time, um, you know, that's, uh, it's a little strange because um, there, coronavirus is obviously a respiratory illness, right? And uh, there's no way that a virus can be transmitted over um, electromagnetic radiation. Um, but I still, I think, you know, people see something, uh, maybe two things are colliding here that, that um, one that they don't really understand, right? I mean, I think there's a, a general um, concern about something that's invisible, that's, that's everywhere. Wireless technology has kind of exploded in the last few years. And so I think people see that. And then, you know, um, because it's not really maybe something they're understanding how exactly it works, then maybe it opens them up to um, possibilities of that having a, a negative impact on, on them. And then, you know, with the coronavirus, again, it's another situation where it's not really well understood. It's kind of new, kind of exploding on the scene. And, and when you put those two things together, I think it, it, it's kind of uh, maybe that that's where the where that link is, is being formed. And how how do you and I guess I know you can't speak on behalf of everyone at AT and T, but like how do you guys like view these types of conspiracies, um, like as an organization? Like, what do you think about them? How and maybe even like how would you personally respond to someone who you know makes such an accusation or believes a conspiracy? If you were going to kind of walk them through, um, maybe dispelling that a little bit. How would you go about that from from sort of your side, your, the technology side of things? Well, yeah, certainly I don't uh, speak on behalf of AT and T. I'm just speaking on my my own views as you know a researcher and engineer working on these things. But there are definitely a lot of information that's out there for people to take a look. So I would point people to some websites that um, that are out there that show the the research that's been done. Um, you know, the FCC. Other regulatory bodies around the world have, have posted, you know, these uh, limits that they have set for cellular technology and and the research that that shows why those are the limits that they've set. And um, you know, as I said, the, you know, the fact that there's no uh, consensus on 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 any uh, negative impacts from these technologies. But I think you know that that's one thing. Is obviously, you want to point people to the data, ask people to take a look and and look for themselves. But I think another thing that I try to do is kind of understand where people are coming from when, um, you know, present something, you know, because I, I think a lot of times it does come from a sincere place. I know obviously sometimes conspiracy theories are, they have, you know, an agenda or some type of malicious intent, but a lot of times it's just people don't really understand, you know, what I see these phones everywhere. You know, I, I think, um, that there's a lot of, uh, stress that comes with the internet being pervasive in all of our lives. I think, you know, so people um, have this in their life and they don't, if you don't really know what is 5G compared to 4G, um, you know, that can lead to to some worries and some, some natural concerns. So I would like to start from a place of explaining, you know, here's how your phone works to the, the base. Here's how it talks to the base station. This is, um, you know, a uh, analogy is like here's you know here's how wi-fi works this is it's very similar to that you know you can add, you know you can try and see how you know sometimes people want to go in the details some people don't but I, I think you try to ask some questions and try to understand where where is this coming from and then try and work from there as opposed to you know just hitting people over the head with a, a stack of research papers sometimes that doesn't uh, doesn't work one of the big things that we're looking at is just the relationship between conspiracy theories and 
really, I would say evangelical Christians, maybe even specifically American Christians. There, it's interesting that there's a, there's a connection. A lot of evangelicals are behind a lot of these theories. A lot of these, um, you know, um, groups are made up of Christians. Um, what place do conspiracy theories have in the Christian life? You know, I, I guess, you know, from your standpoint, what should Christians be conspiracy theorists? Um, is that, would you say that that's wrong? Would you say there should be a healthy level of skepticism with things like 5G? Is it, How would you kind of answer that question as a Christian and as someone who has develop, helped, you know, develop a technology that has been accused of, of things? Yeah, well, um, I, I think... First of all, you know, I think questioning is 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 good. Um, you know, I, one of the reasons I wanted to be involved in engineering and technology in the first place is I was very curious about how things in the world worked around me. Um, but I, I, I think the the key is, you know, you can't just uh, stop there with the the questions. And I, I think you know there, there can be some uh, cynicism involved um, in just. Uh, you know, a, a general posture of negativity towards technology, I think, is kind of pervades our our world today. And I think that um, you know, as Christians, we should obviously, you know, not um, simply, uh, you know, accept everything that that is in the world. Obviously, there's sin, there's corruption. Any technology can be used for harm. But at the same time, I think we also have an opportunity. To 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 go beyond that and know that um, ultimately, you know, my my hope is in something beyond uh, you know, this this world that has more power than any type of um, shadowy organization behind the scenes can have. But I, I do think it's good to ask questions. So I, I don't I don't worry about uh, you know the the conspiracy theory itself. I think it's natural for people to think about it. But I I hope that people um, are putting their hope um, in in and faith and trust in something deeper than just uh, this uh, kind of um, fight against the, the what, whatever it is that they, that they think they don't have control over. Because I think ultimately a lot of times this is a lack of control that leads to fear and that and leads to anxiety. And I think as Christians, we should, we should actually be free of that. And we can set an example for the world that, um, you know, we, we are not uh, held by fear. Um, and, and, but at the same time, we're, we're seeking truth. And, uh, and uh, those two things are not easy to, to hold in balance, but I think that's our job as Christians is trying to walk that line.
Elizabeth, why do you think people are so drawn to conspiracy theories? What's at the root of wanting to find secret truth? I think people have legitimate questions um, and legitimate concerns that they don't have answers for. And so I think the thing with conspiracy theories is that it makes the answer easy. Um, generally, the issues that people are talking about are actually really complicated. So the ones that are connected to the coronavirus or even 5G, and that's a complicated issue. And there aren't simple answers for that. Um, I think another reason is once you kind of ascribe to one conspiracy theory, you open up yourself for other ones. And so it's hard because we live in a current culture where you have to fight to figure out who's telling the truth. And so I do want to acknowledge that truth is not always easy for us to find, um, whether it's on social media or it's our media outlets. And so I think that those two things are breeding ground for people um, maybe listening to some sources they shouldn't necessarily listen to or not verifying information they should verify and just believing in, in what is a conspiracy theory because it provides an easy answer that um, hits something that um, is important to them. Um, and so I think there's always a personal question. It's an answer that they said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then it just flows with what's already present in our culture about distrusting basically every form of authority. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the internet, social media, those are things you just touched on. I think those have a lot to do with why we see it more widespread is there's a feeling of if I explore enough and if I search in the right ways, I might find a knowledge that the media, quote unquote, is not going to let me see. And therefore, I'm going to get behind the the wealthy, elite, uh, politically affiliated group of people that doesn't want me to find out whatever because it, it wouldn't it would serve them, not me. And uh, Adam, you brought up a, a minute ago one that's really complicated. We have a reading from this at the beginning, QAnon, and that is a, a fascinating and pretty gigantic uh, background to this whole thing. And The Atlantic had a spectacular long-form article about this. But could you explain a little bit of what that one in particular is? And I think that one will help give us like a, a microcosm of yeah. what, what people are kind of into and falling into. Yeah, so QAnon came about, I think, uh, really around 2017, and it came about, it, it, it's somewhere in there, right? So it's very recent, as I would say, in the last few years. And it came about um, on these message boards of these sort of fringe websites. Um, 4chan is one, and 8chan, and these other fringe websites, and Reddit had a, had a, a page dedicated to it. I think it's been, since been shut down. But started out in these really fringe places, and... It started with these sort of rambling and strange, um, almost clue-like messages from a guy who claimed he was an insider in the government with Q clearance, which is above top secret clearance. And so QAnon, basically, that's what it's talking about, Q anonymous source. And basically, he started spinning this web to say, you know, I have secretive information that you need to know. And the the let me boil it down and say the gist is it's really strange to be honest with you, but here's just some of like the main tenets or beliefs you might say, and they're changing because this guy's whoever it is, this person is coming and posting and it may be several people or whatever, but he's coming and posting. And most of the times the, the predictions he make don't come true, but almost like in a Nostradamus type sense, people can find truth and you know, the messages are vague enough. They can find truth or whatever, but basically, um, the gist is, is that there is this cabal of deep state, meaning entrenched government workers who are really behind the scenes in control of a lot of things. And they're nefarious and evil 
Hillary Clinton's a part of it. The Clintons are a big part of it. And they are basically running a child pedophile ring that a bunch of government workers and elites are all a part of. And um, Donald Trump basically knows about it uh, and is going to expose all these elites for the terrible human beings they are. And there's some other things they're doing or whatever, but, you know, controlling the world. But basically, Donald Trump knows about it. But they have all these strange views, like when the Mueller investigation was going on, they would say, well, actually, Mueller is on Trump's side. And this is all going to culminate in him exposing Mueller is actually going to expose these, you know, pedophiles and and Hillary for who she really is and everything else. And that of course never happened. They also believe that JFK Jr. is still alive and on Trump's team somehow. So he faked his own death so that he could become this really messianic figure who's going to reappear and uh, uh, show the world that (laughs) Uh, you know, there's this nefarious plot to sort of control your whole world and all this kind of stuff. And he's with Trump. I know I say all that and you're probably going, what? That's crazy. That's probably five people believe that it is a growing, um, it is a growing movement. And at Trump rallies, you will see lots of people who will have the Q sign on them or will hold up Q Anon signs and stuff. There's a ton of people who are believing and buying into this so much so that there's now books being written about it and everything else. So that's, that's a small thing. But if you read the Atlantic article, what you realize, and it goes back to our previous question is, I think there's an element at all of, there's a lot of evangelicals who are buying into this, which is really sad. And we got to be careful how we use that term, but, but they are. And I think there's an, a religious element to conspiracy theories. It actually kind of reminds me of the Gnostics, if you're familiar with that particular heresy, but there's that feeling of insider knowledge. I found the truth and it's the secret knowledge and I was able to find it. Um, and I know the real message and part of what a part of a, a real good conspiracy theory is that adherence to it, their minds will never change because it is so, it becomes so much a part of their identity almost. And so you've got people like flat earthers, who obviously the earth is not flat people, you know, but it's like they will not budge from the idea that the earth is flat and they'll even do ridiculous things. Well, they'll post a message and it says, I'll give you a million dollars if you can prove me wrong. And some guy will come and prove them wrong. And then they'll be like, well, that's not how I said I wanted it. (laughs) You know, it's just like, there's always an excuse or something. And the same thing would be true with these QAnon folks. They always find an excuse for why none of these things come true. But here's the thing too, the the consequences are dire. There was a guy who really believed uh, as part of the QAnon theory that at a pizza shop, uh, I think it was called cosmic pizza or something. I don't remember, but it was in DC who believed that there was a, that John Podesta and Hillary Clinton, who are, you know, public political figures, were running a pedophile ring out of the basement of this pizza shop. 
And so this guy believed that it was true. And he brought his AR-15 and other guns into this pizza shop to go and free free these kids and and you know take on anybody who was who was there. So he broke into this pizza shop when it was full of families and others in the middle of DC to to find it. And it's called Pizzagate. You can look it up and read about it. But basically, obviously, he finds nothing and comes out. And now he's under arrest and in jail and all these things and put all these people's lives in danger. So it's not just like a it's not always just a fun internet thing. There are real consequences um to to some of these beliefs. So yeah, one thing you touched on there that I want to come back to here in just a second is maybe the uh, one of the more disturbing aspects of this, and obviously we would consider this theory very bizarre. The three of us, we are we are not QAnon people. We are not here to <laughs> proliferate that theory, but this is this is out there to me. I, I do not ascribe to this, nor have I spent a lot of time researching. And honestly, I read the Atlantic article, but obviously, Adam, you spent a lot of time on this. But not that I'm that concerned about you, but there are. <laughs> uh, apparently a lot of people in this movement are who we would say evangelical Christians, which might be part of our shared stream. So one thing I just want to talk really briefly real quick, and then let's get to Dr. Moore because Dr. Moore is actually going to talk a little about this as well. I'm so glad to have Russell Moore on our program. He's, he's been on with us before and he's always got good insights into this and why Christians might uh, be more susceptible or why we might see it more there. But I don't know if you guys have a conspiracy theory about why Christians fall for conspiracy theories, but why, Adam, as you've expressed just now with QAnon, why do you think that Christians who are people of of truth and hope, why would they be more susceptible to pursuing things like theories like the QAnon or other conspiracy theories that we've talked about tonight? You know, I don't know if this is this may sound harsh. I don't know if Christians are any more susceptible to a conspiracy theory than anyone else. I think in a world that feels out of control and in a world which I think everybody would agree that this feels out, that our world feels out of control, it is a way to seize control. It is idolatry in a sense. And you have Christians who look part of the Christian narrative can be very binary, which is to say you believe in Jesus or you don't, that there is real good and real evil in this world that, um, you know, uh, and, and so as you read through the stories of the Bible, there is a true and beautiful simplicity but the world itself, and I think the Bible would affirm this, is that the world itself is very complex. And so I think sometimes when you are used to thinking about truth in a very binary way, and to, this is all to Elizabeth's point earlier, by the way, and you encounter complexity, sometimes it's much easier to keep thinking in that binary way. Um, meaning, so often... So like with this QAnon theory, it's that there are these evil forces in the world who want to destroy the U.S., et cetera, but also who want to sort of take our kids from us. And and some have pointed out it's actually very similar to the satanic panic um, of the 80s, which ended up being largely, if not totally untrue. I, that may get me in trouble, but most of those, the satanic panic of the eighties and I think nineties was this conspiracy theory that there was this huge group of 
Satanists who were in control of things and who were abusing kids and everything else. And while there may have been a pocket here or a pocket there, or like one person here or one person there, it, it ended up being that there wasn't really this thing, this group of nefarious Satanists in control of all these, you know, government entities and stuff. And so this QAnon theory actually really mirrors that idea. And I think for Christians, there is a susceptibility to, to paint people as good and evil. You're good or you're evil. That binary thinking is what I'm trying to talk about. Uh, and that's why I draw the parallel of that satanic panic type stuff. So um, I, I do think there's a susceptibility there. But I would also say that I think when you actually remove God from the equation, people are looking for easy truth everywhere. We see this in the secular world all the time. And so that's why I also think secular people are caught up in this as well. So I hope that's helpful. No, I just want to, I, I want to make clear that I believe that the reason there may be Christians believing conspiracy theories is not because people that believe in Christ are more gullible. Therefore they're willing no. to put their faith in a God outside themselves. And no. I don't, if anybody's trying to make that point in our culture, that, oh yeah, of course Christians are falling for conspiracy, conspiracy theories. Look at the mythology no. they've bought into with a, with a God-man. Then that has just bunked me. Let me end with this uh, before we go to Dr. Moore. Elizabeth, if somebody, if somebody were coming to you asking for ministerial advice, or you, you're such a gifted Bible teacher, and they want to know, how do I maybe navigate this world where there are so many different social media sources and so many different articles and so many different political agendas and, and anti-political agendas. How does, how do you help this generation parse out what is true and what is not true? I think it's us having a conviction that we need to find trusted sources to get information from. Social media is not always the best source to get your information from. It's not necessarily always bad, but there are really good news outlets that do amazing journalism and have done amazing journalism for years that we can go to. Um, a lot of it, even when it comes to what does it mean for us to understand the world, you need to understand your Bible. And so I think for us to understand the word of God helps us frame things and frame how we think about people and frame who God is in the midst of all the things that helps us understand the things that come our way and to know that we are a people that should be committed to truth. Like that's Christianity says we have the truth. And so when we put forth information that is false, it makes us look like fools. Um, and then makes the thing that we're trying to tell people, which is the gospel, people start to question that because we're, you can't put forth conspiracy theories in the gospel in the same Facebook post. Um, and so I think it is that we are in a day and time where external authority, we're not as trustworthy of that. And that's really hard to do because of some of the messages we're getting. But you need to find a few trustworthy sources to believe in, to get your information from and then verify the things that might seem questionable to you before you share anything. That's excellent. And what a great way to transition into a great interview I got to have with Dr. Russell Moore. Well, Dr. Moore, I'm so glad you're with us today. Thank you for giving us some of your valuable time. Oh, thanks for having me. You know that in the news right now, people are talking a lot about conspiracy theories, although some people probably wouldn't even call them conspiracy theories. Some people call them maybe the truth, but in particular, lately, we've seen some articles and some people say that Christians in particular are either susceptible or perpetuating conspiracy theories. So my first question, Dr. Moore, is are you seeing a relationship between Christians and conspiracy theories? And if you are, is there any concern to that for you? Uh, I wouldn't see the connection between Christians and conspiracy theories. I would see it between uh, this particular manifestation of American Christianity right now. 
and a, a, a sort of conspiracy theorizing mindset. So I don't think that you can see uh, a correlation if you're talking about the church over the past 2,000 years and, and around the world. But uh, there's something very different about what goes by the name of American Christianity. So that being the case, why are so many evangelicals falling for some of the more popular conspiracy theories? Do you think it's something political about America today that's doing this? Uh, I think that what's happened in America is this sense of a need for tribal belonging uh, that, that goes beyond uh, what is the truth. So there are some people who would say, well, the, the sort of person that would fall for ridiculous uh, conspiracy theories. And, and, and I mean, let's just stipulate, there are some things that are conspiracies. I mean, the crucifixion of our Lord was a conspiracy, an actual conspiracy. But these sorts of ridiculous conspiracy theories, there's some people who will say, well, does it take a particular kind of gullibility? And to some degree, I think that's true. I, I remember uh, being struck by the Freakonomics uh, guys uh, who were looking at the sociology behind email scams. And they say, you know, if you listen to the people who are, uh, who are falling for, you know, the Nigerian prince who needs you to send him some money. And they said, sometimes people will say, well, why aren't these scammers more creative? Uh, and they say, well, actually, they are creative because they're doing this intentionally because they want they don't want to waste their time. They want to find the kind of person who isn't even aware of how commonly ridic ridiculed and joked about these sorts of tropes are because that's going to be the person more likely to give them money. So I do think there's some of that there, but I think there's more to it than that. And I think, I think what's uh, there more is this sense of wanting to belong. Uh, to a particular herd and a particular tribe, uh, which now in our cultural context is defined by who you hate uh, more than it is by the ideas that you hold, because the ideas are changing all the time. And what really struck me, rereading some George Orwell uh, over the past uh, few years, uh, has has shown me that there is something about uh, the kind of loyalty that is that is demanded by believing things that are first of all uh, so ridiculous that one can hardly believe one is saying them, uh, and secondly that change all the time. That's the way that you show your loyalty to the tribe is that you're willing to embrace these things and to move along with the tribe as the tribe changes, and so that's part of the day. It's Marilyn Robinson, the author. Uh, said um, a year or two ago, when loyalty to the truth becomes less important than loyalty to the tribe, integrity is, is, is in danger. And, and I think that's the case in American life right now, generally. I'm a huge Marilyn Robinson fan, so you just won oh, major points great. with that answer. She really is. She she writes a better sentence than I'll ever write in my entire life. But <laughs> she's so brilliant. Uh, one of the examples, the metaphors you just kind of used, you talked about scams. And scams obviously are a predatory version or a deceptive version of these things. Do you do you see anything in these conspiracy theories that is intentionally aiming at or predatory towards Christians that we should be warning churches about, saying there's people... Is there any, in other words, is there a wolf in sheep's clothing trying to distract the church in what you're seeing right now? Well, ultimately, uh, yes, in the spiritual sense, because uh, anything that is not of the truth 
uh, we know ultimately uh, can be traced back to the father of lies. So yes, uh, ultimately that's the case. And I would say even secondarily in some cases. So there are some purveyors of conspiracy theories that are looking for uh, an economic objective. They want people to give them money. There are other people who are looking for a a mobilizing uh, sort of get you enlisted in whatever it is that they're that they're doing. And that happens too. Uh, so there, there can be a variety of, of different reasons behind these things. And then just uh, some of it is just uh, people want to find a way to um, rail against their frustrations, whatever their frustrations are. So you, you find an enemy uh, and, and, you, and you find a, an issue. And what they're wanting is for people to join in those frustrations. So there can be a variety of different different motives at work. Yeah, I feel like some of them too that I've seen, it seems like a conspiracy theory is built for some Christian populations around the idea that you could control your future if you understood this is how you're going to make yourself susceptible. So if you ignore uh, vaccines or you ignore 5G, you can then control kind of your outcome. Yeah. And so I can see that too, just theologically, spiritually, the desire to say, if I can put myself in a better position, or if I can put my tribe in a better position, uh, I will pursue this other version of truth. But I also, like you said, there are real conspiracies out there that create the idea of maybe it's not that far-fetched for some people. Well, and uh, I was talking to a sociologist uh, the other day about these things, and uh, he actually was arguing that the key factor is not so much belonging, as I've talked about, as it is prestige. Because uh, the person who can walk into a room or go on Facebook or, or whatever, or be in the church small group and say, well, actually, uh, the, the, nobody really landed on the moon. Uh, this was all in a, in a studio set in, in uh, Studio City, California. Uh, it, the, the person who can do that has a certain kind of prestige. And it would, you know, we might say, well, that's ridiculous because there's no prestige uh, attached to something that is ridiculous. But in that context, it is. Because I, I know something that that most people don't know that can unlock the secrets uh, of the universe. And in that sense, in this person, person's an atheist, this sociology is not a Christian at all, but he said it's very similar to what took place in the early church with the Gnostic uh, teachers who came in. We've got a secret piece of knowledge that that can help you to transcend whatever it is that's happening in your life, and and um, I found some of his arguments kind of compelling. Yeah, that's very interesting. So if we, as a part of a, a group of people as Christians that believe we do have maybe not a secret knowledge, but certainly an exclusive knowledge uh, that is available to the world to know, how is the seeking of prestige out of sync with the gospel? How is, if that's what's driving this information, how is that out of sync with who Christians should be, if Christians are to be the purveyors of truth that most people don't know? Yeah, but we we don't claim to have a secret knowledge. Uh, what we claim is to have a, uh, as as Paul put it, a revelation that was kept secret, but now has been revealed uh, through the apostles and prophets, the mystery of Christ. And so, uh, what what we have in the gospel is something that is uh, that is mysterious 
something that that we see through a glass darkly we do not uh, totally comprehend and never will totally comprehend as finite creatures but uh, we don't have a secret knowledge we have a a knowledge that has been announced to the world in Jesus Christ and so that's very very different from the the sort of gnostic ways of of uh, knowledge as a way of being initiated into um, into a particular community which is the the sort of thing that you see happening in Genesis 3 with the serpent the the serpent is coming in and saying some things that are not in and of themselves completely false uh, in the day that you eat of it, you will be as God's knowing good from evil. In one sense, that is true. Uh, but he's he's using that knowledge in a way that ultimately leads to destruction. And he's using that knowledge in a way that can create this form of community between him and her uh, that, that is not the community that God has designed or intends. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Starrett and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram or support our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters. Thank you and God bless. God bless.